You're listening to an American Theatre podcast. American Theatre is published by Theatre Communications Group, www.americantheatre.org. Welcome to Offscript, American Theatre's podcast on all things theatrical. I'm Allison Considine, Associate Editor of American Theatre Magazine. I'm here today with Nikki Toombs, the Director of Education at Kenny Leon's True Colors Theatre Company in Atlanta, and Tanya Mote, the Associate Director of Denver Sioux Teatro. They both joined me today via Skype, and we're going to talk about education and engagement, which is the focus of our October issue, which is currently um, finishing up right now. We'll be headed to the printer in a few days. Education programs can be anything from after-school programs to summer camps, from teaching artist residencies in schools to theater training programs. Engagement work can include anything from pre- and post-show talkbacks, student matinees, lobby displays, backstage tours, it goes on and on and on. So I'm excited to be talking today with Nikki and Tanya to see how education and engagement work shows up at their theaters. All right. Um, So as I said, putting together the October issue and talking to different folks who are working within engagement and education programs at different theaters across the country, it became very clear to me that uh, Every theater has a different way of approaching engagement work, and there's no set way um, to define the work. So I just wanted to know, how does your theater define engagement? What does that mean? Who are you engaging? Okay. (laughs) So this is Tanya. I think that it's always, it's a work in progress. We're always learning new things. In a really strict sense, I would say the way that I define it is folks who come through our doors and how we're nurturing that relationship and building that relationship. So for a long time, I was really the only person doing both the fundraising and the marketing, which is changing, in fact. Just a few months ago, we hired two full-time dedicated marketing staff. So I think that's really going to change our capacity in a lot of the things that we're doing. But there are just a variety of ways that we engage with people once they come through our door. So that's everything from the more traditional ways that you might set up some kind of companion activity that goes along with the theater performance to the way that you're really nurturing those organic relationships with individuals. And that's really kind of always been Teatro's bread and butter was the way that we're building on people's interests and kind of running with it. That's great. And Nikki, um, I know that a lot of the education programming at True Colors has engagement work really tied into to what the mission is and what the outcome, the goal of the initiatives are. So if you could talk a little bit about how that shows up in the the education work that you had up there. You know, what's so interesting is uh, prior to coming to the summit, you know, when I received the invitation, I was like, well, you know, why are they asking, you know, meet education to come? And what is so, um, what was so shocking for me is to recognize that what I am doing in the education department is you know, key um, or a a significant part to what we do as far as engagement is concerned. Um, Often when people ask me, well, 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 what do you guys do in 
the education department, and I told them that when Kenny received um, his Tony Award, and during his ex acceptance speech, he said, you know, hey, I'm looking for the day when every kid in, in, America, in America can have a little piece of theater in their daily educational lives. I said, okay, well, then that has to be my, 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 um, my mission to figure out ways that we can engage these students, and not just kids, we're talking about students of all ages, to engage. And so when I came back from the, the summit, and I don't know if I'm answering the question per se, but I think I'm gonna land on it in just a second. Mm -hmm. Um, understanding the difference between outreach versus engagement. I, I understood that when we talk about the word engagement, it, mean, it, it means full attention. It means to pledge. And then if we break the word down, it means it has something of value. So what we've tried to do is restructure our educational programming to be more than a checklist or to say, hey, we're just in the community. We're trying to add something of value. For instance, um, not only do we have our um, August Wilson monologue competition, but I'm also connected to the schools beyond the competition. I'm a part of the advisory boards. So I try to make sure that I'm not a fixture just when it's time for the competition, but throughout the year to support the other students throughout their shows and things. That's that's um, showing them that they too are of value to our organization. Um, things such as our um, we have a mentoring program called Act Like a Lady, which teaches character education through the arts for our middle school age girls. And so what we do is we have this triad where we expose them to the arts, we educate them about the arts, and of course we have the entertainment value. But beyond us just simply going in and doing workshops with the young ladies as well, we're bringing them out and, and partnering them with other institutions who also have um, a major focus in exposing our youth to the arts and showing the power of how it changes. So I think that we at True Colors have been a little bit more intentional in making sure that it's not an activity, but an experience for us both, that there's value with both parties involved, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. Um, and for listeners who don't, who might not know that the summit that Nikki brought up was the intersection summit it was hosted by Milwaukee Repertory Theater this past March. And it was this convening of um, education and engagement practitioners from across the country. And from what I understand, it was the first gathering in a few decades for people to come together and really talk about this work and how, uh, you know, best practices around this work and what it means. Um, and I was also in attendance. This was that was my really my introduction to what this is all about. Um, so actually, just just continue on that the conversations that were happening over that weekend convening. I was just curious what some of the takeaways might have been for you, Nikki, and what things um, from the convening that you've now tied into the work at True Colors. Absolutely. Um, well, as I mentioned initially, number one, understanding the role that education has in um, engagement. We're training our next generation of audience scores where we have a, a direct pipeline to support our community through the education program. So definitely understanding that. Um, also understanding the power of collaboration. Uh, one of the things that we brought back to um, True Colors is the need to say, hey, we need to find opportunities to engage with other institutions who have that like-minded uh, value system and wanted to make sure that we connect with um, our audiences. Um, we've been in conversation with a Lord Theater here in Atlanta about uh, potentially having a gauge conference is what we've uh, discussed having it, where we're trying to tackle um, all aspects of community engagement, address uh, concerns of EDI and things of that nature. So that's one of the things we it, it, it sparked us to say, hey, we have to find more opportunities to collaborate. So definitely collaboration. Um, 
being more intentional about how we um, invest our time and our energy and making sure our partners understand that we are truly a fixture in the learning process when it comes to our students of all ages. Uh, and something I that was new for me that I learned at the conference was this idea of community partnerships and the importance of them and how you build and maintain them. Um, so Tanya, if you could talk a little bit about some of the community partnerships that Sue Teatro works with and, and how you uh, maintain those relationships. Sure. I mean, I think that some of that, we have sort of these historical collaborations that really were organic and came out of work that we were doing. And just that mission alignment that, you know, no matter what it is that you're doing, whether it's applying for foundation funding or working with a donor or any of that, I think that those partnerships really work best when there is sort of that mission alignment where it is very organic in the way that it comes together. But our most recent community partnerships have been around artistic projects that we've been doing, and they have been a way that there has been, you know, when you talk about audience engagement and community outreach, they have been partnerships where those two things really overlap in a different way, and it has been around going out and collecting stories and doing um, co-creation work. So some of our big partners for that have been the historical societies. We've been working in Brighton, Colorado, and then here in Denver on a couple of different projects where it's been, we've been very interested in talking about the Colorado experience and producing plays and theater that were based on the Chicano Civil Rights Movement here in Colorado and some of the, the landmark pieces that have been a part of that. So our main partners for that have been historical societies and then high schools and colleges where we've involved students. And then our fellow Chicano arts organizations. So some of them that don't have theater as their discipline, but that have, that do visual art or that do, do spoken word so that we can incorporate that multidisciplinary element. So it's been really interesting to have that crossover where you're out in the field and not working strictly in the theater, but working with people in communities on their own turf and developing those relationships and then working to kind of bring those people back into the theater. And a lot of times people who really haven't had an experience being in a theater setting before. Right. And uh, Nikki, I think you brought this up before, but the idea of education for all ages. So I know both of your theaters have education programs aimed at different age groups of children, but I was just also curious what the engagement and education might be for some of your audience members or adult, adult audiences. Um, exactly. So we, we have, of course, our community conversations um, where we're trying to bring both our civic leaders as well as our patrons in to have an opportunity to discuss some of the things that we're covering in our works. Um, it was uh, it was interesting when we just um, completed Coleman Domingo's DOT and we partnered with Emory Brain Health and had some uh, professionals to come in and provide more information regarding Alzheimer's and, 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 and providing um you know, a, um, a creative hub to be able to, to 
to discuss some of the concerns of caregivers, for instance. We also have this new thing that we've introduced uh, where we're discussing thematic play readings. So we try to parallel some of the things that we are covering in our works as well and have our audience have more of an intimate experience to discuss the works that we're presenting. We do deep dives, we do talkbacks, but just try to be able to hear what our audience is wanting to see as well as participate and engage in. That's great. Tanya, I wanted to ask you, I was reading about Sioux Teatro's Youth Theater Company and um, I read that they were they went to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival this summer. So I was curious if you could talk a little bit about that experience and how that all came about. Yeah, thank you for asking. So I feel like this is one of the most important things that has happened in our history. And I hope that it's just the beginning of sort of the trajectory of our youth program. The, we've had it. We've had a youth theater program for quite a long time, like maybe nine or ten years. But it has been something where we were working with a particular school and where it was kind of hit and miss in terms of getting youth involved and a lot, a lot of trust building. A, a lot of the youth that we were working with, you know, really hadn't been encouraged to explore their creativity at all. And in a school environment had had, um, you know, just a lot of different experiences with school that weren't always responsive to their cultural needs and not always really looking at their own experiences and stories as being legitimate. So just really getting to a point where we could build trust with them and do that work was sometimes a challenge. And we had some really good experiences with with youth who really flourished with that attention. But this was kind of a, like, a jump, a huge jump to a really new level. And it was something that kind of happened gradually over a little bit of time in terms of youth that had been in the program for a few years and had been becoming leaders. And we were just, the, the program was growing and it was getting some traction and it was really starting to build. And then our instructors for the program applied to go to the Fringe Fest and they got accepted. So this whole last year has been so amazing in terms of the growth of the youth who I really think it just kind of raised the bar for them because they had a goal and they were striving towards this thing and being on the stage in Scotland. And they did a play that is one of our, our artistic director, Tony Garcia's, our, also our resident playwright. And it's a play called Corrido del Barrio, which is about a community here in Denver that was displaced in the early 70s. And because the conversation around gentrification has become such a major issue and something that is impacting all of us so much, I think that the youth really related to it. But I was really worried because it is kind of a historical piece, you know, how they would take the subject matter and make it their own. And it was so wonderful the way that they embraced that content and really there's a lot of music and a lot of Spanish and they had to play instruments. And by the time they left to go to Scotland, they were really, really doing these powerful performances 
And then while they were in Scotland, of course, they had to perform out on the Royal Mile where they were performing in the street. And seeing the video of some of those performances really reminded me of, although I wasn't a part of the theater at the time, but when Sutiato really started in the, the early 1970s, they were an agitprop theater, and they performed on the street. And a lot of our veteran performers really got their skills from having to be out there and having to be loud and having to engage with people and get their attention and, and then engage in a really different way than you do on a conventional stage. And I think our youth got a little bit of that experience. So, And just a lot of pride over their cultural heritage. They won the Legacy Award, which was for, for cultural heritage and cultural preservation. And I think they really had this really quality dialogue with the people that were at the French Fest about what it means to be a Chicano in Denver and were the experts in their own experience. So they really came full circle in terms of going from a place of being kind of disenfranchised in terms of the, the school system, in terms of what their experience was, and then really embracing their culture and then becoming, you know, embodying their culture and being ambassadors for that culture. So I can't wait to see what they do next. That's great. And getting to talk to a lot of education directors and people who do engagement work, um, it seems like they have endless stories of just really gratifying moments, especially working with young kids. And so, um, Nikki, I didn't know if you could point to any throughout your time at True Colors that really kind of encapsulate the magic of, of what engagement and education programs can do. Was there any particular project or program um, that really you know, makes, makes your work worthwhile? Um, I think I have, I've, there are two stories I think that, um, very small, very quick stories that I think, uh, kind of remind me of why I do what I, what I do. I remember, um, there was one opportunity where we had our interns have a one-on-one -on -one, kind of a lunch and learn with Kenny and, uh, Kenny was scheduled to do a very important television interview. And so, you know, I kept watching my watch over and over again, you know, because the, the marketing director said, hey, make sure that you keep Kenny on schedule because, you know, he has to do his interview. So, of course, it almost looked as if I were doing a, a, a new age dance because I'm trying to like, oh, my gosh, we have six more minutes. So, you know, the, 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 the students continue to ask him questions. And I said, OK, Kenny, um, we're approaching our last question now. And he said, um, why? I said, because, you know, you have that 2.30 interview and we have to make sure that you have enough time to get to the station. And what he said to me, he says, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, there's nothing more important than this moment right now with these kids. Nothing. So you tell marketing to tell them they can wait because right now is what's most important to me. And so in knowing that I was able to create that atmosphere and knowing more importantly that my, my, that Kenny not only just says it because it sounds good, he says it because it is good and it's what we should do. And it's not about saying, hey, you know, I've checked this off of the list. It's saying, no, we have to come. It, it takes a village, as we said, the adage says, it takes a village to raise a child. And sometimes artistically, we, not, we need to not be afraid to come out of our artistic huts and do what we can to reach these kids. So being able to sit in that atmosphere where he made each of those kids feel and know that they were priority to him, that was so rewarding to me. And the last thing I would want to share is I had a student 
um, a male student whose father strongly disapproved of the world of theater. Yeah, he feels as if it's not going to take you anywhere. I don't want to do anything, blah, 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 whatever it is. And um, it was so interesting because um, that night he won the uh, regional round of the August Wilson monologue competition. And then this very stoic father who is just like, I don't want to deal with this old theater stuff, to see him walk over to his baby and say, you know what? I apologize because I didn't even realize how, how great you are. I knew you were great as a young man, but I didn't even know how great you were as an artist. And he said, I promise to you, I will pledge each day to do what I can to further your dream. And that, when I tell you the next time I saw that father, it was like, what can I do? What do you guys need? Do you need to use my space to rehearse, whatever? So knowing the fact that um, it bridged a, a family, and that's what we want to also do with Two Colors, bridge communities. So those are the two stories I think reminded me of why I'm proud to be connected to this organization. That's great. I've gone to a few of the August Wilson monologue, uh, the finals in New York City, and I can attest that it's really like one of the most exciting events of the year. I really look forward to doing it and seeing those kids up there. Is, it's really incredible what, what they can do. Um, yeah, of course. So I'm really kind of backtracking here, but I, I wanted to, to touch on um, the Audience Revolution Program. So the intersection summit that we talked on earlier it was planned in part by a theater communication group's audience revolution grant program. It's this multi-year program that's funded by the Doris Duke Foundation. And really it looks at studying, promoting, and supporting both audience engagement and also community development models for nonprofit theaters across the country. And this past year, Sue Teatro received one of these grants to travel and observe audience development strategies. So um, Tanya, I'd love to hear a little bit more about where your company traveled to and what you learned and what you brought back to Sue Teatro. Sure. Well, it was in a lot of ways an opportunity to train some of our younger staff members and to expose them to what's going on at other theaters and then to bring those lessons back and apply them here. So one of those was really with the, the Latino Theater Company, who we have a longstanding relationship with, and also with Precones, Puerto Rican Theater, and Puerto Rican Traveling Theater. We've had a lot of exchange and mentoring with those organizations through a, a variety of different means, but really um, some of the principals at those companies have really spent time one-on-one -on -one and face-to-face -face with some of our junior staff and even with me and my own development and some of the senior staff, we've had those opportunities to really engage and learn from them and learn from some of the things that they're doing. So in the case of the, the Latino Theater Company, we were really interested in seeing the way that they are broadening their audiences. I think that one of Su Teatro's strengths has always been that we know, we really, really know our core community very well. And it, they come out of a, a shared experience of being in a very rooted community here in Denver. And we know how to talk to them, we know how to engage them, we know what their needs are. 
where now we kind of find ourselves as we're growing and changing, we're in a different facility than we were kind of growing up and we have a much larger theater and it's a challenge to fill that space. It's 250 seats where our old theater was a hundred seat black box. And when you fill a hundred seat black box, it, it feels really wonderful. It feels like success. And even when you have 50 people in that black box, it feels good. It feels full. But when you have 100 or you have 50 people in a 250-seat theater, it feels like failure. It does not feel good at all. And I think that there's also kind of a, a public perception that that gives that you're not being successful or just the energy is different and the energy and the interaction with the actors and the audience is really different. So we've known since we've been in this space that we had to build our capacity to engage a broader cross-section of the public. And that's something that we had seen that Latino Theater Company had been doing really well. So part of the conversations that we had with them was kind of about some of those partnerships that you had talked about earlier and how do you build those relationships with different businesses or different sectors of the public? And how do you build those relationships with the, the Latin American community? Sufiatra has a really strong relationship with the, the Chicano community and the Mexican-American community here. But how do you go out and forge those partnerships? So that's one thing that we are really focusing on based on the experience that we had with them. And then with Fregones, it was really an opportunity for some of our younger staff to kind of see see the entire field from a more of a bird's eye view. Most of them really hadn't had any experiences outside of Denver or really any experiences outside of Denver's kind of local theater ecosystem. And for them to see, well, here's kind of a a sister organization that has so many things in common with su teatro, but working in a very different theater market. And just the, them being able to go to New York and to have that experience. And we sent one of our, one of our, our youth from the theater company that went to Scotland, we sent her on that trip. So these are, you know, folks that we're developing. We grow our own. <laughs> so that's, you know, it's really a part of giving them that total experience. And then with Oregon Shakespeare Festival, I think the biggest thing that we were really blown away by was the way they have so much created an intentional community and how much artists are have a stake in that and are a part of that and how much commitment there is with that. So as I was saying before with, you know, Sufiatro comes out of this really very special and unique ecosystem here in Denver, but we do, it is hard to give artists the kind of professional development that they need and they deserve and to kind of see the way an organization is able to do that in a really holistic way in such an unlikely place, you know, in a relatively rural place is something that I think that we really want to learn from. That's great. 
And Nikki, I know um, there was lots of connections made at the Intersection Summit, so I was just curious if there were other theater companies that you've been in contact with uh, to also kind of connect and, and share some of either your audience development tactics or different strategies for building communities to come to your shows. Well, um, the, the two, I, the two uh, theaters that we reached out to, of course, were uh, uh, Milwaukee Rep, because I said, hey, I want to pick your brain, because this was, a, this was an awesome experience that we had. And we also reached out to the Alliance Theater right here, you know, in our, our, our backyard. Mm -hmm. But to be transparent with you, uh, one of the things that I walked away with is that engagement starts at home first. And one of the things I think that True Colors had to go back and revisit is what are we doing as an organization first? You know, how are we communing? How are we um, reevaluating what our goals are? And so I think beyond us discussing with another theater company the potential um, community engagement conference, it was having us to go back and hold a mirror up to ourselves to say, hey, what are we doing? And what are our true authentic goals? And I think that was our starting point before we kind of branched out more to say, hey, you know, what are you doing? It's like, hey, guys, what are we doing? So that we could be a little bit more intentional and strategic about um, community engagement. That's great. I know a lot of theaters, their 2018-19 se their seasons are, are starting off right now. So I was just curious, what programs, initiatives, productions, conversations, what do you have in the hopper that you're really looking forward to putting together for the 2018-19 season? So one of the things that we're adding to our piece, and, and this is not the official name, but this is what we're playing with just a little bit. Um, as I mentioned before, we have a, a program where we're calling it Parallel, where we're trying to align those themes, as I mentioned, to the works that we're, that we're doing so that we can have a deeper discussion with both our audience and our, um, our world as a whole. Um, another thing that we're doing is we're being a little bit more, um, how, how shall I say it? We're trying to make sure that we have a well-rounded, holistic experience for all of our, um, our, our, our audience as well as our community. For instance, our Act Like a Lady mentoring program. We're trying to ensure that we are complying with mentoring uh, institutions to make sure that we, we are honoring all of the expectations for a true mentoring program versus just simply saying, hey, this is what we're doing. That's one of the new things that we are um, introducing into our plight as well. Uh, that's what I want to mention. Uh, I, I think those are the two most uh, interesting things at this point that I would probably want to mention that we're doing right now. That's great. I think what's, you know, your work always starts too after the season is already planned and some of these things are already set and then you can start reaching out and making those partnerships and, and planning these events and conversations. So um, I'm sure there'll be more work for you to, to even, you haven't even thought of yet that will come along later in the season. <laughs> And how about you, Tanya? Is there anything you're especially excited to be working at this season at Sioux Teatro? Yeah, we're opening the season with a play called Interview with a Mexican, which is a collaboration between Tony Garcia and Gustavo Arellano, who he writes the syndicated column Ask a Mexican. And it's really kind of a satire and a, a sarcastic take on misperceptions and stereotypes that the dominant culture has about about Mexicans and Mexican-Americans. And it's it's interactive, so the audience will be able to ask questions. So it's there's a spontaneous element. And then in the spring, we'll have a play called 1969, Fire in the Streets. 
and it is based on some of the stories that I was telling you about that we're collecting. So it's the Kitayama strike in Brighton, Colorado, and the West High School blowouts, which was a walkout that happened in 1969. So both of these events were really seminal events in the Chicano movement here in Colorado, but also were really important nationally in terms of galvanizing the movement and bringing people together. So, and it, it, they're not well documented. They're not, there hasn't been a lot of work around collecting the stories. So Tony will be collaborating with Daniel Valdez and there'll be music and artistic responses to those events. And it should be really exciting. It's great. Well, thank you both. Uh, really, thank you for bearing with us as we struggled with Skype a little bit today. So, <laughs> And I hope you both have a really great weekend. You thank you, well. Allison. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening. And special shout out to our producer and podcast editor, Kirby Pate. Don't forget to leave a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to check out the October issue of American Theatre Magazine for some more information on education and engagement programs across the country. I'm Allison Considine, and I'll see you next time on Offscript. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.